Hello and welcome to Across the River, a podcast that weaves together death and dying, tarot, and witchcraft. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Sarah. We are not experts of any kind, simply two witches who like to think and talk about death, dying, and divination. We invite you to journey with us across the river. We are recording across the river in Toronto, Ontario, also known as Tecoronto. The land that holds this city is and has been for millennia a home to many diverse First Nations and Indigenous Inuit and Métis peoples, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. The land teaches us about the cycles of birth, death, decay, and rebirth. We're grateful for the opportunity to live in and learn from this land. Hey, Rebecca. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> that is my cat that you probably just heard in the background. As there. I hit the record button, the cat was like, meow. <laughs> We were just joking that he might end up being our third co-host today. Um, He does not like closed doors and he does not like being separated from me or my husband. So, Oh my gosh. Well, he may, yeah, we may be hearing somewhat from the cat, which I think is appropriate on a witchcraft podcast. I feel like if we can't have a cat in the background on a witchcraft podcast, where can we? Yeah, I think that's completely appropriate. So, um, you know, welcome cat to across the river um our first interview (laughs) so we tossed around a couple of topics for today and the one we've landed on is like what is ritual Mm -hmm. does that sort of feel like the the summation of the of the topic for you what is ritual how do maybe we'll talk a little bit about how we use it in our practice yeah Um, and some of the, I guess, ways that we have found it to be helpful for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What is ritual? How does ritual? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because it's one of those words that I I think we kind of have some idea. Like, if you just say the word ritual, there's a whole, like, word cloud of associations that comes up, and... Mm -hmm. Probably we find some of those associations to be accurate and present in terms of how we experience it. And then there are probably some that don't feel like they fit as well. And Yeah, I was just thinking uh, a little bit about how sometimes I think people um, think of like habits as ritual. And I think that's beautiful, um, but I suspect that's not exactly what we're talking about here today. Yeah, you know, it's funny... My husband and I had a conversation about this last night, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday, we're recording this the day after the summer solstice. We're mm-hmm. recording ahead a little bit because I'm out of town for most of July. So we're, we're banking one. And so last night for the solstice, um, we took a walk down to the lake. And I brought some herbs from my herb cupboard. And I made mm-hmm. an offering to the water. And, um, and my husband and I were sort of talking about, like, what is ritual. That's part of the reason this topic came into my mind today is because we were having this conversation and he asked a question that I thought was a good one, which was like, 
we're in the habit of going to a diner down on Queen Street for brunch on on weekends and then like walking mm-hmm. by the lake and he was like is that a ritual and I was like good question huh because you know it's something that we do frequently and that we have really positive associations with and that we like to do and we do it in order to connect with each other more and it makes us feel connected to our neighborhood and to the place of being near the water mm-hmm. um and I said, like, from that perspective, kind of, but from a different perspective, um, basically this made me think of my working definition of what a ritual is. Please share. And I think it has something to do with some kind of symbolic action that you take in order to facilitate some kind of connection. Okay. All right. What do you think yours is? What's your working definition of ritual right now? Hmm. Okay. So, I like what you were saying about symbolic action. I think that one resonates a lot with me. I think 100% to facilitate act, uh, Sorry, connection, but even maybe I would also say to facilitate a certain internal state for myself as well. Um, I think it's, I think when I'm doing ritual, part of what I'm trying to accomplish is a shift in consciousness. Um, A shift from kind of the everyday mundane way of thinking about and viewing the world and into something that feels a little more liminal, a little more numinous is a word that you use often that I absolutely love. Um, and I think it applies here. Uh, I think that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. Who knows where I'll be with it tomorrow, but yeah, I really love that. Um, I said working definition because I feel like my idea of what a ritual is changes every single day and and mm-hmm. like you've just I I completely agree with you that there's something about affecting a different state of being when mm-hmm. you're in a in a ritual space. Mm-hmm. Um and there's another word that I kind of wanted to like add to the this definition that we're creating which is intentional. Yes. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, I think especially when we're talking about the kind of rituals that witches uh, do and sort of partake in, um, I think intentional is the ritual needs to have a purpose of some kind. And it doesn't have to be like the most specific thing ever, but I do think when we're shifting our consciousness, when we're raising energy for a purpose it's important to know what that purpose is yeah i i completely agree and maybe that's what separates like you were saying something that you do every day Mm -hmm. from a ritual in the sense that we are describing it here Mm -hmm. like a lot of people might say, oh, my ritual is in the morning I have a cup of coffee and I read for 30 minutes or whatever. And mm-hmm. it can be a ritual depending on how you're approaching it. But 
like in the end when when my husband and I were talking about whether our Saturday brunch and walk um, habit counted as ritual Mm -hmm. in the end we sort of settled on we think it's a tradition Ah, okay yeah and maybe we're splitting hairs here Mm -hmm. Um, but for me ritual has a different kind of connotation like you were saying that has to do with creating a different kind of space Mm -hmm. in which some kind of transformation occurs yeah yeah I think maybe um a good way to kind of describe this is uh I was trying to think of I I I I suspect you do a fair bit more ritual than I do but I was trying to think of something that I do regularly and I realized and I hadn't even been thinking about it this way but I read for myself fairly regularly um generally at least once a day um and that is a ritual kind of in and of itself, but I realized that I have a ritual of opening my tarot readings where I say a particular set of words um, every single time and it's about setting the space for the reading and calling in whatever guidance wants to come through for the reading and um, I... I I have it off by heart. I could probably say it in my sleep. Um, And every once in a while, I catch myself just kind of rote saying it, like Mm -hmm. not really feeling the words. Um, So I kind of have to stop and go like, okay, let's put a hand on the heart. Let's um, figure out a way to do this in a slightly more embodied way. Um, And I think that's, that's an important part of it as well. I think so. And I think you're getting to something that maybe people feel sometimes when they hear the word ritual, which is making sure that the words and actions are still connected to the meaning behind them. Mm -hmm. It's a critique that I sometimes hear of maybe organized religion, that people feel like the words are just empty words. Okay, Um, yeah. Or they they begin to experience the words to be empty words, and perhaps they still feel connected for somebody else who's also there. But um, Mm -hmm. making sure that what we're doing is actually functioning in a connective way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like what you're saying there. Um, That's really interesting because that was actually something I was thinking about as well. Where I've heard, yeah, people talk about that where the, you know, it's been said so many times, it's just words. Yeah. I've also heard people talking about how knowing that those words have been said by countless others before them um, in the same kind of context is something that is really powerful for oh, them. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know when, some, why, or when or why. Sometimes it's one of those things, and sometimes it's the other. But um, when I was thinking about that, uh, and I decided to pull a card for today instead of choosing one, um, I got the King of Wands. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, and to me, the King of Wands, and this is deeply rooted in my tarot teacher, Lindsay Max teaching on um, the core card specifically, but to me, the King of Wands is really about 
doing things in your own way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they talk a lot about trailblazing um, in regards to the King of Wands. And I really think about it as like being really, really centered in your own flame, in your own creativity, in your own passion, um, and being brave enough to kind of follow um, that inner fire. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I think of this in context with ritual, the most, I don't know if you've found this, the most powerful rituals that I have ever done have really been off the cuff and creative and um, not particularly thought out. Um, I mean, thought out in terms of like the intention for sure uh, and crafted, um, I I would say, but very, um, you know, using what I have on hand that feels resonant instead of looking up like, what are the correspondences yeah, for this particular exactly, thing? Exactly. Um, I've found those particular rituals to be the most powerful ones Mm -hmm. for me or the most effective ones for me. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of truth in all of that. Some of this I think about from the perspective of, you said something that resonates with me, which is trying to figure out your own way of doing this. Mm -hmm. And that's really aligned with the way I was trained and the way I try to practice as a celebrant. Mm-hmm. So that work is about working with people to try and create rituals that have resonance and meaning for them mm-hmm. and that are specific to them mm-hmm. and that kind of create a container to bring them from one state of being to another state of being. And that's kind of starting to get toward what I what I'm kind of thinking of as as like the core of what ritual is for. Mm-hmm. Um there's something that you're kind of like getting around that is is tweaking my ear, which is when we when we're talking about ritual, I think because we're witches, sometimes we're talking about a spell, yeah, and sometimes we're talking about like a different kind of ritual. Mm-hmm. But I think it makes a lot of sense to me that we would have those both kind of occupying the same brain share because mm-hmm. like they both are a means of creating change. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're creating internal change. Sometimes you're trying to create external change. The external change usually requires some kind of internal change. <laughs> so, like, maybe I just want to try and, like, get down to, like, the nuts and bolts of, like, what are we doing when we do a ritual? Mm-hmm. And I think there are some things that are, like, really key. Like, it's embodied. Yes. And it requires action. Yep. And at least from my perspective, and maybe see if this is true for you, I'm often using some sort of symbolic item or object for me uh, usually more than one yeah Yeah. and there's a there's a connection here with um some of the work that i've been trying to do as a celebrant where Mm -hmm. um we're trying to kind of create 
a, a container for people to process some kind of transformation that has happened. So I, mm-hmm. I mostly work in, so far only in funeral celebrancy. Mm-hmm. So the change that we're trying to process is someone they love has died. Um, it's the kind of change that I feel like can only be done so far. It can only be processed so far in terms of thinking about it in language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what so you're saying. So you can, you certainly are processing it mentally. You're thinking a lot about it. You're maybe feeling like you're having conversations in your head with yourself about it or conversation with, with the person who has died that you're imagining. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a deeper level, I also feel like when we take in, when we are processing that kind of change, we also have to process it on the level of the body. I don't, and let me see if I can say that more clearly. So I feel like there's a level of understanding that I can take in by, let's say, lighting a candle. It's not a great example. Let me try and see if I can find a better one. I don't know if lighting a candle isn't a bad example, though. Yeah, um... Let me see if I can put it this way. If I light a candle in a ritual context, I know that a whole bunch of my ancestors before me lit candles in a ritual context. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that action that to me kind of feels like I'm opening a door. Mm -hmm. So let's say I would like to have a moment of connection with those ancestors. If I light the candle that I have on my ancestor altar... I'm kind of saying this portal that I built by placing your things on this table. Mm -hmm. um, I have, there's a variety of things that I have on there um, and it kind of shifts around. Like right now there's a lucky coin that I was given by my grandmother. There's a lucky coin from my grandfather's birth year. Mm -hmm. There's a pipe for my great grandfather. I have my great grandmother's uh, sewing needle booklet. Um, You know, it depends on what's, who who I'm connecting with and but there are some things that are that just kind of live on there Mm -hmm. and if I light the candle that's next to those things I'm sort of saying okay this doorway that I've tried to create Mm -hmm. is open now yeah and so now maybe we can have a connection in a way that is different than if I just thought about connecting Mm -hmm. and that seems important to me. I have to do something with my body. I have to take up the match with my hand and strike it and light the candle. Mm-hmm. That processes something in a way that just thinking about it does not do. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about how sometimes I get a little bit... I don't want to say lazy because I think... I think capitalism and lazy have a connection that I don't particularly mm-hmm. like. Yeah. But sometimes I am, a, I do find myself going like, well, I mean, okay, I know I am thinking I probably should put a little offering on my ancestor altar or um, I love to give offerings to the tree we have outside the mulberry tree in the yard. Um, and I kind of like, I get a little bit like, uh, I don't want to. And, and then when I don't do it, 
it's it there's a little bit of a sense of dis-ease there and then when I do kind of get myself to like okay literally all you have to do is fill up a cup of water and put it on a shelf um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. and, and I and I kind of am like okay all right let's we can do that we can do that um there is there is something that happens there that can't that is as you said different from just being like thinking of like oh I am grateful to that tree which I mean like thinking of like thinking uh, grateful thoughts is a wonderful practice but um, there is something to there really is something to the physical act even if it's like the simplest of physical acts and I think sometimes the simplest ones are like I mean we're all busy. We're, we all have like a million things going on. Sometimes it's not going to be something that like takes an hour. Um, but, but yeah, um, even just the smallest of rituals when enacted, um, can have a more profound effect than I think Than I think even I, like I know this and yet sometimes I'm just like, eh, but why bother? So I really feel that I think for me the delineation between thinking about being a witch and actually becoming a witch was when I started to do actually embodied kinds of ritual. Mm -hmm. I had been reading and thinking about this for a very long time, kind of since I was about 13. Mm -hmm. It took me until I was almost 33 to really say, I'm going to actually do something here. And I think we've talked about this maybe in the, in the What Even is a Witch episode, mm-hmm. about how silly it felt the first few times I like got the candles out and like put a cup of water on the table. And um, I did a ritual where I, I wrote down for myself what I wanted to learn from, from being a witch. And I wrote myself a, a, a letter to my future self Mm-hmm. And I sealed it and put it away for my next birthday, and then I was going to oh. open it and read it on the on that birthday. Um, and I lit. I I said that I wanted to learn about how to do this, and so I lit like a yellow candle because I'd read on the internet that like yellow is the color that corresponds to <laughs> learning, and like you know, like you were sort of saying, I just had to start somewhere, mm-hmm. and I felt so silly. And that was another thing that I kind of started to realize is that like. I've had to like build the, build, build the muscle, mm-hmm. um, or, and this is the, the metaphor that I have settled on and have used before that feels the best right now is, um, it's a bit like I've had to try to learn another language. Ah, uh, yeah. One in which I didn't have much fluency when I started. Mm-hmm. Now I feel quite conversant in. Although sometimes it still feels a little bit like a second language. Mm-hmm. Not that I speak a second language well enough to know if that's an accurate <laughs> feeling or not. But um, it doesn't feel like a first language anyway. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think I really felt like I could say I'm a witch until I was doing witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And the witchcraft involved doing things with things. <laughs> <laughs> That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. That is exactly... Yeah. 
all of our definitions that we were trying so hard to craft and really it's just doing things with things. Doing things with things. <laughs> um, yeah, and so then I, it's still hard for me to get words around why it is so very different to do things with things instead of just think about the things. Mm-hmm. Like if what I want is to feel different inside myself, why does it matter if I do something with things outside of myself? Mm-hmm. But it does. Yeah, yeah. I am thinking of the two of pentacles. Hmm. I think I brought this up in our lost episode about intuition. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of, yeah, anyway, I'll, uh, it's something that's coming to mind right now again. The two of pentacles usually depicts a person and they're kind of almost juggling an infinity symbol. Um, that's the imagery that you usually see. Um, or something to that effect and I always think of it of of the two of pentacles as the rhythm of change and growth Mm. Um, I think we go into the internal loop to change things and then that brings it to the external loop which changes the internal which changes the external um, which is a maybe a silly way of putting that, but Ooh. I I think that is like I think that one simple card might be like the rhythm of everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think that being a conscious being. Um, with an awareness of our internal state means that we are constantly it feels like we can be at odds with um, everything around us I, I know for myself I sometimes feel very disconnected from the embodied from uh, I'll call it the other And I think that when we're doing ritual, we are reminded that we are connected to absolutely everything. Um, And that what we do has an external effect and what we experience externally has an internal effect. And I think when we can use ritual to the word that's coming to mind is take advantage, but I don't like that. I think it's more tap into maybe um, that kind of rhythm. I think that's what ritual can maybe do for us. That's maybe a good segue into the card that I brought. I might pick Mm. that up and go into the sun card, which is the card that I have for today. I love that the sun card showed up I love that too. And just for context, um, we were trying to figure out whether to talk today about, you know, redoing our intuition episode, which we do want to do at a Mm -hmm. later date, or to talk about this ritual topic. And so I I pulled cards about it Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you got to walk the walk. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, my card for intuition was do you remember was it the seven of wands card oh, i think it was the seven of wands, seven of yes. wands. and then um but the card for ritual was the sun oh. 
<laughs> and so I went, well, that's very affirming. And also because we're just past the solstice, that solar energy is really, really strong right now. It is the mm -hmm. strongest it is all year. Mm -hmm. And there is a connection there with, you were just saying about cycles. Um, the connection with the cycles of the season is such an important part of ritual. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. when we're talking about ritual, we're talking about something that we do every year to mark that time moves forward and it also comes back around mm -hmm. here we are again on the longest days of the year mm -hmm. we'll be here again we've been here before we're a little different this time around because a whole new year has passed but but some things are very very much the same and I find a lot of comfort in that one of the things I was thinking about is that I have not quite settled on myself settled for myself on like one solstice ritual that I do mm -hmm. and I'm kind of longing for something like that like I kind of want there to be a thing that I perform on the day of the solstice and it hasn't quite arrived for me yet um, but it is beginning to take shape that there's usually a walk down to the lake I usually am making some kind of offering at the lake and to share a little bit more about last night, um, something rather beautiful happened, which was I walked down there and my husband and I went out and sat on one of the piers that goes out into the water. Mm -hmm. We were looking at the city. Down at the very end of the pier, there was another woman sitting. So we sat a little ways further up and um, I took out my little jar of herbs and I like gave an offering of herbs to the water. Mm -hmm. um, I'm using uh, rose and mugwort and lavender these days. That's my offering blend for right now. Nice. And, you know, they started to float out, and they're floating out in the direction of the lake, so they're floating out towards the water rather than to the shore, and the other woman had left at some point, and I was looking out and following the trajectory of my herbs with my eyes, and I saw something else floating in the water, and I went out to the end of the pier, and there were seven or eight or nine... Um, yellow I think daisy blossoms floating oh. in the water and oh, wow. the water was very green and they were very yellow and there's really no way for them to have gotten there except that that woman put them there mm -hmm. so there we both were making our solstice offerings to the lake oh. And I was looking at these flowers and I looked back at my husband and he kind of looked at me and said, you know, friend of yours? And I was like, apparently, <laughs> I don't know who she is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there was like particular cultural significance to her choice of that flower, but they were so sun-shaped. You know, they were these mm -hmm. beautiful yellow petaled flowers, daisies, I believe, oh. or calendula maybe. And they were so radiant. And I just felt so suddenly connected to her and to the lake, like in a weird way, they were her offering to the lake, but it almost felt like the lake was sort of showing me back, like I'd put my offering in and then it showed me these flowers. Mm -hmm. um, it was just this sort of really wonderful kind of magic synchronicity and to see all of these little yellow suns like floating in the water back was oh. so gorgeous. And I went, okay, we all do this. We do. We all do this. Mm -hmm. We know it makes sense instinctively. We understand that we can communicate with our environment in these ways. Mm -hmm. And I just found it so 
moving, particularly because I was, you know, I was feeling a sort of wish for community. And even though this woman was a stranger to me, there we were in some kind of community with each other, each following a similar human impulse. Oh. It was really quite beautiful. That is such a lovely, oh, I'm so glad that you got to experience that. Yeah, me too. There's something about this really, really old act of like carrying flower petals down to place them in the water. It's mm -hmm. so simple. Mm -hmm. It's something I've had to learn how to do mm -hmm. because I didn't grow up with a practice like that. It wasn't something my family did mm -hmm. and it's not really something that the culture I've primarily been immersed in does. Mm -hmm. So I've had to learn how to do it and I've had to learn how to kind of get past feeling a little bit silly and like kind of out of the way. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to schlep all the way down the hill just to like put some plants in, in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then when you actually do it and you see them mm -hmm. floating there on the surface of the water and, and there's something alive and fragrant about the plants and and mm -hmm. it does do something different than just thinking to yourself oh it's the longest day of the year I like the lake <laughs> you know it's it's different it is it definitely is oh that's such a beautiful story I'm thinking to myself that I, I come from a similar sort of maybe I don't know backgrounds the word I'm looking for but I also, it's not something that I really had growing up, but it's not something that was completely missing either. Mm. I'm thinking of lighting candles on a birthday cake mm -hmm. and blowing them out. Uh, in my, my mother always, um, you put the amount of years uh, that you have in candles uh, and one to grow on. And mm. That is always even, oh my gosh, we're getting old enough now that it's a bit ridiculous. <laughs> um, but that is a tradition and ritual, and a I spell. think, and a spell um, that is just something that I didn't, you know, I didn't even think about as, it is a spell. Mm -hmm. It's 100% a spell. Um, it's not, but it's not something that I ever really kind of thought was particularly magical. It was just kind of what you do on birthdays. Um, but we also, we also threw salt over our shoulders whenever we spilt any we of did it. Too. Yeah. And I think these little things that we call like superstitions, yeah. I guess, um, I think they're this carrying on of magic that we don't even recognize as such. Um, but when we start to kind of think about this kind of thing and start to perform these kinds of rituals, you can look back and you can like see the breadcrumbs almost. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I love that there was, uh, oh, the first spell I ever did um, no idea it was a spell, but I started making paper cranes mm. and my goal was to reach a thousand, uh, and to get my wish. And 
I probably actually made that amount in my life. I, I never did make my wish, so maybe I shouldn't say this is the first spell that I ever did. But there was something so beautiful about using my hands to make those cranes. Um, something that felt like even though... Yeah, even though <laughs> I kind of lost track of how yeah. many I'd... A thousand cranes is a lot of cranes. It's a lot of cranes, yeah. <laughs> so yes, I kind of lost track, but... Um, but doing that, creating that with my hands, I don't know what it is. I don't know if I have anything particularly insightful to say about it, but when you were talking about how it needs to be embodied, I think that really resonates with me, that there is some magic to that that maybe we'll never fully understand. But um, I remember hearing somewhere, I'm so bad at this, I'm always like, I heard this <laughs> somewhere and I, I don't do remember where it was from I also do this every podcast <laughs> continue um this is like secondhand. I think there was research and then I think I heard about it from someone else but point being um there is a physiological thing that happens when you put a hand over your heart mm. it is actually calming for your nervous system what is incredibly interesting about this is that it actually matters which hand you put. Huh. Your body has some kind of innate preference for it. And if you put the, the not the wrong hand, but the hand that like the body doesn't prefer, it will not have quite the same effect. Huh. And I just thought that was so incredible that is so interesting is and do you know not? is it your dominant hand usually or um i don't know if it if that matters um but i i uh, again I, i'm like this is second hand and also i can't even remember where i heard it from but um <laughs> but i do wonder I prefer my non-dominant hand. Interesting. I prefer my dominant hand. I've never thought about it before, but huh. when I make this gesture, I use my dominant hand. Yeah, we're both putting a hand on yeah, our heart right now. Just so you, uh, but yeah, I think like my instinct is to use my non-dominant hand. So that's that's really interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's entirely physiological. It has nothing to do with anything logical in our brains happening. But it's um, the body is freaking like terrifyingly smart and I just think it's so cool that we can do these kinds of things in a way that like combines our heads and our hearts yeah um I think maybe that's what ritual really does yeah I think that's a great point um because there is a logic to it isn't it mm -hmm. isn't there like mm -hmm. I when I'm creating a ritual there's often a really logical series of choices about what kinds of materials I'm going to use, when I'm going to do it, where I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but just thinking about those things doesn't affect the transformation. You have to go and do it. Mm -hmm. I really love that you brought in all of the little kinds of magic that we all still do every day. Mm -hmm. um, because all of those things are really alive still. I also grew up throwing salt over my shoulder and I grew up, you know, with birthday candles and, um, you know, we would knock on wood to make sure that, um, you know, why did we do that? It, it's something to do with the sense of like there being a spirit in the wood who can, who can influence things for you one way or the other. Um, 
there are lots of practices that involve knocking or tapping on the floor to begin ritual, to open the door. Ah. I have done that. Mm-hmm. And I have seen that done in a church. Okay. So even in places that are ostensibly not so much about magic, mm-hmm. these ways of opening those doorways are are the ways that you do it. <laughs> if that makes sense. It does. I kind of feel like we all sort of instinctively understand how you do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that's really powerful that we still have these things that are that are present and and alive even if we just think about them as quote-unquote superstition mm-hmm. i was nodding so hard when you were talking about all of that which <laughs> no one can see on the podcast but um that's one of my favorite things is to sort of learn what kinds of superstitions people have and what mm-hmm. what kinds of things people still do in practice and i just find it so fascinating I do as well. And I always kind of just like, especially for people who are very not witchy, it's like, but you're, but you're a little bit witchy. You just, you just did a thing. It's a little witchy. You know what I think is really witchy is you, have you seen, um, some people have like a little fairy garden at the base of a tree in their front yard or I in a park? I've seen those. Yes. I just, I'm like, oh, you're making offerings to the land spirits. <laughs> It instinctively makes sense for you to put a little doorway at the base of this tree and people leave things for them. Mm-hmm. I do, but it can't only be witches doing it because I always find something there. Mm-hmm. Last time I walked by, there's one in Kew Gardens, there's a little doorway, and someone had laid out, someone had a bunch of maple leaves and twigs and they laid them out in a pattern as in a semicircle around the doorway. That's amazing. Yeah, and I just looked at it and went, well, that's magic. Yep. And I know that... If there is a spirit of that tree, mm-hmm. or if there are spirits who dwell in that tree and who sort of say, hey, thanks for setting up this little home for us, <laughs> they probably really appreciated that someone mm-hmm. sat there. Someone gathered, you know, that's the thing. They did it on purpose. Someone went, gathered up the twigs, gathered mm-hmm. up the leaves. Maybe it was a child, but maybe not. I don't know. And maybe we can learn something from children about this. Yes. Oh, I think we can learn so much from children. I think that's something that I really love is that when I'm really tapped in when I'm doing ritual, I feel very connected to my inner child. Yeah, it's playful. It is very playful. And kids are great builders of altars. I'm just thinking about the little structures that we that we find I was down by the beach a few days ago and someone had taken a bunch of goose feathers and stuck them into the sand in a circle. <laughs> or, you know, people make circles of rocks or people mm-hmm. people find a big rock and they place things on top of it. They put acorns there or coins mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. If you start looking, you see all kinds of ways that people are interacting with and making these little sacred spaces mm-hmm. just instinctively. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gets to, you know, maybe what we were talking about last time with eco grief is like ways that we have of interacting with the material world to create connections with, with landscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. All this stuff is within us and it's really old and I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's coming back if anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's maybe coming back because we need some of it. Very desperately. I think... I 
think we always come back to connection, don't we, here? Yeah. (laughs) We do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think ritual is a way of... I don't know. There's something about it that combines the embodied, the mental, the spiritual. I guess it's really the the three... Body, mind, spirit. I think it pulls them all together. And I think that if we can connect all of those things within ourselves then we can connect all of those things externally as well. Does that make sense? I think so. Uh, say, say more about that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we're a culture, as Westerners, we're a culture that is very divorced from the embodiment mm-hmm. part of things and from the spiritual part of things as well. Yeah, we're really in the mind. We are sometimes I think I have a friend who said something to the effect of I feel like a floating head. Yeah, sometimes or a lot of times. Yeah. Um I think if we can find ways of reconnecting with our own body and our own spirit Um, we realize that there's not as much separation between us and what is external to or what we perceive to be external to us. And yeah, I think maybe coming into our own bodies is the first step Mm -hmm. or maybe coming into the external can help us come into our own bodies. I think maybe it can work both ways. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, I think, I think maybe the question that we're asking here isn't actually what is ritual, but why is ritual? Yeah. And I think we've kind of approached that from a bunch of different angles here. Mm -hmm. I guess for me having just said that I still find that a tricky question to answer Mm -hmm. and the honest answer just personally is at a certain point something in me just said you have to do this now Mm -hmm. kind of to my surprise (laughs) it sort of came not out of nowhere this is a lifelong interest but it really rose up um, intensely Mm -hmm. in my early 30s Uh, And I was startled by it because I kind of thought, well, if I was really going to do this, I would have already done it. Um, And it was like, you can't just read and think about this anymore. You have to go do something. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess, you know, for me, the answer why is just because I had to. (laughs) (laughs) I think Um, that's a beautiful answer. But it has changed the way my, it has changed me. It has changed my relationship to the land I live on. It's changed my relationship to my own interiority. I think it's carved new pathways in my brain that are different. Mm-hmm. It's changed my relationship to um, like the animals in my ecosystem. Mm-hmm. It really has to, to kind of commit to various kinds of ritual practices. And some things I've tried and they didn't feel like they did much for me. And so I, I mm-hmm. let them go by. But... There are some things now that I do every day or close to every day 
or just habitually. Mm -hmm. It's habitual now for me to carry some sort of little offering with me, whatever it is, and to Mm -hmm. just have it and and to make offerings in places that feel like it's right to do that. Mm -hmm. It's changed my mindset to, to do that. I mean, we're trying to affect change with it. And I think that change is more far reaching than just the intention for the ritual. Yes. I think what, if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, I think you're, that it, yeah, it changes us in a way just to be doing it even semi-regularly. Yeah. And I, I have found it to be a change for the better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what you're saying is making me think about, I think maybe the thing that has changed the most for me, um, through having a practice of doing ritual, um, yeah, I'll say semi-regularly for myself. And that is a sense of empowerment, actually. Um, a sense of myself as a witch who can enact change um i think witchcraft is all about transformation and we gather all of these tools around us to kind of help us with that and ritual is one of them and it has really brought for me a sense of myself as being in control of myself mm-hmm. and maybe control isn't the word I'm looking for because it's not like a as being sovereign in myself yeah um, and you I don't know I, it's not a connection I've made before but it does feel like ritual has brought that up for me in a way that was unexpected um, and yeah, I think at the end of the day, how or why it works the way it does maybe doesn't matter as much as the fact that it does. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. This might be a good place to wrap up for yeah, us. Let's wrap up. Mm-hmm. We would love to hear, um, if any of you listening like have rituals that you do or yes. are inspired to try a ritual, mm-hmm. we would love to hear what you did or yes. what you do mm-hmm. and how it felt while you were doing it. We are so curious. And um, as always, our, we have an email address and the, uh, the link will be in the show notes. So yes, please email us yeah. and let us know about this because... I am so curious how other people kind of go about this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe especially, even especially if... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, maybe even especially if you're not a witch. Yeah, I was going to say something like that. <laughs> like, especially if you're... I mean, especially if you're, like, creating your own rituals. But, like, especially if you... Yeah, if you're not... How how does, like, the human impulse toward ritual show up in you? Yes. <laughs> However you might describe yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a... Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, we are going to look forward to um, talking to you all at the next Dark Moon. We are. We are. We are. 
uh, it'll be, I guess, August yes. at that point. <gasps> oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Can't believe that. Time is what is time. Yeah, what even is it? Well, you know, it's a construct. <laughs> it definitely is. Okay. Alrighty. All right. We'll see you all at the next dark moon. We will. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, friends. <laughs>